Okay, uh, today we're going to discuss some of the tricks that Edgar Allan Poe uses in his story. And I want to try to simplify um, some of his rhetorical devices. Now, of course, they're not simple. And uh, the only reason I am going to simplify his rhetorical devices is to try to give you a clear idea, a clear understanding of how rhetorical devices work and of how you can use rhetorical devices as well. It's not just Edgar Allan Poe. Now, the first thing to notice with his rhetorical devices is that they're very often doubled although occasionally they're tripled. Um, and what I mean is that the repeated units that he uses are often in pairs. Yeah, there's often a, a pair of adjectives or a pair of adverbs. So on the very first page, we get plainly, succinctly. Um, he, do, he very often uses two rather than one words. Um, he uses two words rather than one word in order to add colour to the language, add colour to the story. And so we start with most wild yet most homely. Notice the repetition of most adjective yet most adjective. He then uses a correlative conjunction, which is another um, tool in your toolbox. I've done lots of videos on correlative conjunctions. They're things like neither X nor Y, or not only X, but also Y. And I suggest that you learn a good 10 to 15 correlative conjunctions and that you start to use them in your speech because they all always sound pretty good and they're always joining together two different things they're comparing two different things which means that you need to use repeated units of verb phrases or noun phrases or comparative phrases and we've got I neither expect nor solicit belief in the second line in fact, it's the first sentence. We then have a lovely fronted adjective. And this is another tool in your toolbox for making your language more colourful. You confront an adjective. He says, mad indeed would I be to expect it, yet mad am I not, and very surely do I not dream. Now, we've got this mad indeed would I be, yet mad am I not, just like we've got most wild yet most homely. And notice that he fronts the adjective mad twice, mad indeed. Indeed would I be, mad am I not, and he uses inversion because we may we may do so when we front an adjective, um, and when we front an adjective and use the verb to be or a number of other verbs, usually lie, stand, sit, but. Um, you can say, um, angry was I that, you know, it's, it's, angry would I be that, certainly, it sounds very good. Um, and you use inversion then. So this is another thing to make your language more colourful, not only fronting, but also inversion. Um, and he, you can see Edgar Allan Poe manages to use all of those things in the first three or four lines of his story. He then says, tomorrow I die and today I would bird, unburden my soul. Now, notice the tomorrow I and today I. Um, again, it's doubled. It's got the same repeated units twice. Um, we then have a triple. Uh, we have have terrified, have tortured, have destroyed me. Now he's repeating auxiliary verb, verb, auxiliary verb, verb, auxiliary verb, verb, because it sounds nice. He then says to me, blah, 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 but to many, blah, blah, blah. Again, it sounds really nice to have that kind of structure in your language. It's a very clear structure, a very unambiguous structure that leaves the listener in no doubt what you think. We then have more calm, more log logical and less excitable.
Yeah, notice the more adjective, more adjective and less adjective than my own. So uh, a tripling there. We've then got two nice nouns, uh, two nouns with the same suffix paired together. I was noted for the docility and humanity of my disposition. Yeah, for the docility and humanity. So we've got docility, humanity. And notice that this is the opposite of what the actu- what the guy actually is. Most people would say that a man that tortures and murders a cat and then kills his wife and buries her body in the wall is neither docile nor humane but we straight away hear of the narrator's docility and humanity and of course it's he it's uh, it's the narrator who is telling us that he's docile and humane so he gets a lot of uh, um, he, he really skillfully uses the unreliable narrator technique. We can't rely on the guy telling us the story, um, and we can see that pretty pretty soon in this story, pretty uh, at an early stage. Um, so then we have feeding and caressing, grew and growth, faithful and sagacious, unselfish and self-sacrificing. He loves using a pair of adjectives and he's doubling the self in that. He's saying unselfish and self-sacrificing. There are two selves there, something that the narrator very often has in an Edgar Allan Poe story. He very often has two sides to himself and the story creates a tension between these two aspects of the same person's personality yeah and uh he plays a lot with this theme all the way through the story and you can see it in the sentences that he uses as well you can see it in the rhetorical devices that he uses okay we've got some other tricks down here we've got more moody more irritable more regardless of the feelings of others yeah more adjective more adjective more adjective um and we've got even Pluto, even Pluto. He likes using this half of horror, half of remorse, this half of noun, half of noun structure. He uses it again later. He says feeble and equivocal feeling, final and irrevocable overthrow. Yeah, notice the adjective and adjective noun, adjective and adjective noun. He does that an awful lot. And perhaps you should do it in your language as well, as it will add colour to your language. Now, he go when he goes into the spirit of perverseness, he gives a very logical kind of reason for why he why he tortures the animal, why he kills the animal. Um, and it's it's logical on the one hand, because it gives us a, 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 an explanation. But on the other hand, uh, it doesn't seem too logical that people will just do wrong for wrong's sake. And so he explores this idea. And he, as he points out, it's something that has perhaps been missed by the philosophers. Um, they haven't seen that man can have um, a um, this this drive to do something which will be the the end of him, the ruin of him, some kind of masochistic drive that that um, the longing of the soul to vex itself, to offer violence to its own nature, to do wrong for wrong's sake only. Again, notice the parallel structure. Yeah, the longing of the soul two plus infinitive, two plus infinitive, two plus infinitive. It sounds really nice, and he goes on to say that urged me to continue and finally to consummate notice again the two plus infinitive and two plus infinitive now when he describes the hanging of the animal it's actually a it's a brilliant piece of writing that 
has a lot of body in it, body imagery. So listen to this. I slipped a noose about one morning. Sorry, I'll start from the beginning. One morning in cold blood, there's blood. I slipped a noose about its neck and hung it to the limb. A limb is a part of the body. The limb of a tree hung it with the tears streaming from my eyes and with the bitterest remorse at my heart. So we've got eyes, we've got heart. Hung it because I knew that it had loved me and because I felt it had given me no reason of offence. Hung it because I knew that in so doing I was committing a sin, a deadly sin that would so jeopardise my immortal soul as to place it, if such a thing were possible, even beyond the reach of the infinite mercy of the most merciful and most terrible God. Now we have here a lovely bit of anadiplosis. I knew that in so doing I was committing a sin, a deadly sin that would so jeopardise my immortal soul. Notice the repetition of sin at the end of the first clause and at the start of the following clause. So you get that a sin, a deadly sin repeated. It's quite poetic. And notice that God is described as most merciful and most terrible. Again, we have this dynamic between contradictory adjectives. Yeah, merciful is not usually associated with terrible. It's the opposite. And yet united in the same being in God. Um, So we very often have this play between contradictory forces. Um, Okay, on the night of the day, (laughs) it's the next line, which to me sounds doubled, the night, the day. Um, Okay, the disaster and the atrocity. You notice he can't, he's using two words for disaster there, between the disaster and the atrocity. Um, Okay, we go a little bit further. My wonder and my terror, minute and eager. He's still doubling up his adjectives and his nouns. There's a nice triple verb phrase here when the barman says that he uh he hadn't he knew nothing about this cat he says this person made no claim to it knew nothing of it had never seen it before notice the made no it knew nothing it had never it you know there's a very um uh there's a repeated sequence there that poe is using and it's why it sounds nice okay um so as we look further we've got um partly by this but chiefly by that that's a nice kind of uh a nice doubling of the um adverb by adverb by um we then have a bit of repetition of almost ashamed to own almost ashamed to own to own is an old way of saying to admit and we still use the phrasal verb to own up meaning to admit something so uh, you see it here in this in this part from the story and uh, it's it's doubling again it's that repetition which he really likes to use and which all writers like to use um, we've then got by slow degrees, degrees nearly imperceptible. Again, a bit of anadiplosis with degrees, degrees. Um, and we have this nice sentence of, I say, the image of a hideous, of a ghastly thing, of the gallows. Notice the prepositional phrases repeated of the, sorry, of a, of a, of the. And then we have the same again of horror and of crime, of agony and of death. He likes repeating that preposition of for each one of those. 
Okay, we've got wretched beyond the wretchedness. Yeah, notice the doubling of wretched. A brute beast, a brute beast for me, for me. Yeah, all of these double again, doubling the beast and doubling the me uh, in in more or less the same sentence. Um, in fact, in the same sentence, yeah, it says, "And a brute beast whose fellow I had contemptu contemptuously destroyed, a brute beast to work out for me, for me, a man fashioned in the image of the high God." So. Be beast is doubled and me is doubled by day nor by night and uh look at this nice sentence here um i started hour hourly from dreams of unutterable fear to find the hot breath of the thing upon my face and its vast weight incumbent eternally upon my heart um notice the doubling of my face my heart and the hot breath its vast weight um, okay, we're going to go a little bit further now towards the end, and we've got um, by day or by night yet again. We've got at one period, blah, 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 at another, blah, blah, blah. It's a nice way of setting out your sentences. It's very clear and unambiguous. Um, we've got about casting, about packing, that prepositional phrase doubled. Um, Okay, and then towards the end, uh, last page now we're coming on to, uh, to describe or to imagine the deep, the blissful. Notice the doubling, yeah? To describe or to imagine, yeah? Two plus infinitive or two plus infinitive, the deep, the blissful sense of relief. He doesn't just say the deep sense of relief. He says the deep, the blissful sense of relief. And you can do that too, guys. There's no reason why you can't. You can also repeat your adjectives or use two adjectives rather than just use one and repeat your determiners and repeat your of preposition or other prepositions if you so desire. Um, we've then got I soundly and tranquilly slept. Notice it's not just I soundly slept, yeah? I soundly and tranquilly slept. I slept. Notice the anadiplosis, yeah? I soundly and tranquilly slept. I slept even with the burden of murder upon my soul. Okay, so uh, then we come to the end and we're we're looking at phrases like from end to end. And we've also got this lovely doubly sure their assurance. <laughs> I like it because there's two shores in that doubled doubling of sure. And we're doubly sure their assurance. <laughs> yeah, assurance is sure. And so doubly sure their assurance of my guiltlessness. Um Okay, and then on the last page, this is the last, last page, we've got a very well-constructed house, an excellently well-constructed house. Yeah, notice the repetition. These walls, are you going, gentlemen? These walls, doubling again. May God shield and deliver me. Yeah, shield and deliver by a voice within from within the tomb, by a cry at first muffled and broken. Yeah, notice the repetition of by a voice, by a cry. And then we've got a howl, a wailing shriek. Yeah, notice how many words he uses to describe the cat uh, making this unholy and evil sound from within the um the tomb of his wife's corpse yeah from within that hole in the wall where he buried both of them we hear this cry but it's not just described as a cry it's described as a voice from within the tomb a cry at first muffled and broken broken like the sobbing of a child notice he uses a simile to give you a lot of description yeah and then quickly swelling into one long loud and continuous 
continuous scream now we've got. Utterly anomalous and inhuman. A howl, another way of describing a cry, a voice, a scream, a sobbing, a wailing shriek, another way. So he doesn't just use one word to describe something. He uses a number of excellent words to describe something. And he uses a lot of adjectives, not just nouns, as well. And then he tells us half of horror, half of triumph. There's that half of noun and half of noun that he uses more than once in the same story because he likes that structure. We've then got uh, the, the, the scream is coming from the throats of the damned and... Um, uh, the throats of the damned and of the demons, yeah? So it's not just the throats of the damned he describes, he describes the throats of the demons as well. Why not, eh? We've then got the corpse described as decayed and clotted, yeah? Participle and participle, um, or verb, actually verb here, yeah. Decayed and clotted, I'll call that a full verb. Ah, no, sorry, it's not. It is a participle. The corpse, decayed and clotted, stood erect. So it's certainly a participle. Um, we've then got a description of the cat. And of course, we get a nice description of the cat with doubled noun phrases, with red extended mouth and solitary eye of fire. Um, a nice pair of noun phrases there to describe the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. Note the doubled relative clauses there. At the end, we've got whose plus clause, whose plus clause. I had walled the monster up within the tomb. So the point of this class today is to try to uh, persuade you that the best way to improve your English or to improve your use of your own language is to look at the literature and look at what kind of tricks the great writers are using because they are all using a similar toolbox of tricks, yeah? They all do this doubling and tripling. They all use a parallel structure when it suits them, when it sounds good. And you should be doing the same. You, you, Of course, you start by doing exercises on parallel structure and I've got, I'm watching lessons on parallel structure I've got lots of classes on those. And you do need a really good grasp of the parts of speech to do this. And I guarantee that Edgar Allan Poe had an excellent grasp of the parts of speech. It's how he is able to write so skillfully. So if you want to improve your use of language, I actually really recommend a study of the parts of speech because it will help you with an understanding of rhetorical devices. Um, it will give you a really good working knowledge of how to slip those rhetorical devices into your writing and also into your speaking. And that's what we want. We want to make you sound um, more like Edgar Allan Poe, more like Shakespeare and uh, less like, um, well, someone who's young or a beginner to the language, because, of course, beginners and young people as well, when they're learning their own language, tend to use very simple sentences. And in literature, we find the complete opposite. We find sentences that are long, sentences that are complex, and a lot of con different constructions that we may not hear in everyday life so often, like that fronted adjective, like that inversion. I mean, we do hear them in everyday life, but we don't hear them as often as simple sentences. So I want to encourage you all to go and start using 
complicated sentences. Think in particular about doubling your noun phrases, doubling your verb phrases, and sometimes tripling your verb phrases, as I have just done there. Yeah. Okay. So、uh, I hope you all enjoyed that class. We're going to do a lot more on this kind of thing. This is, I think, how you improve your language when you are already advanced. So、uh, we'll be doing a lot of this on Telegram. If you haven't joined my Telegram group yet, you're missing daily classes. So if you're on this podcast but you haven't joined Telegram, well, you might want to think about joining the Telegram group. It's.、Uh, Just called Mr. Skype Lesson without an S on the end. If you look on Telegram for Mr. Skype Lesson, I think you'll find the group. It's a public group, but you can find the link as well on my YouTube channel. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. I hope to see you all, or、uh, yeah, I hope to. I hope you'll be in that Telegram group soon. <laughs>